before we get into the politics of transness, I just want to properly introduce myself and my background for those of you who are not aware, just so that everyone is on the same page about my own biases and potential blind spots. I'm a non-binary trans man who was assigned female at birth. I live outside of America, but still in the Western world. I use any pronouns besides she, her, including neo-pronouns. I'm also attracted to men, which puts me with the non-straight trans people. I also want to say that I'm white in case that factors in here. Spoiler alert, it sort of does. But now that you all know some things about me, I think it's fair that we get into the nitty gritty of the politicalization of transness. Just before I get into all of my thoughts on this, I want to just clearly state my intent for this episode. I think that the way that both left and right-wing political personas talk about transgender people and our experiences are harmful in different ways, and I think that shining a light on this will help us trans people be able to combat transphobia fueled by these two different political spheres better. Now, as I say right and left, some of you are probably going to point at either one or one or the other and say that this one is worse or that this one is better at it or that this is the real issue. I personally don't want to cast that particular judgment and I hope that you won't either until I'm done with this video. It's important that we realize that politicalization takes many different forms. I will be first talking generally about politicalization of trans people, and then I will split this video into two or more sections talking about left and right. And yes, this means potentially another series on this podcast. I'll try to just make this a longer episode, but I don't want y'all here for two hours either. Both these sides of the political spectrum will be given just as much scrutiny just for the sake of equipping ourselves equally for both. Of course, there will be a lot of heavy stuff in this episode, most of which pertaining to transphobia, but I also will mention that there are mentions of the effects of the AIDS epidemic, not too specific, but still notable. Also loads of trigger words associated with anti-trans bullying that might take you back to a time you're less fond of. No hurt feelings if you click off. Nobody is obligated to talk about this if they're not mentally okay with it. It is heavy, and it was even heavy for me writing this. If you're going to stick around, then I welcome you. But if you're going to leave, I also... I implore you to. Now that I've said a crap ton of disclaimers, let's get into the actual episode intro. This is more of a journey than an episode. I might use my dungeon master voice for this one, just as a force of habit. D&D folks, stand up. Anyways, put on your woolly socks, get a snack and drink, and let's hop into our imaginary DeLorean. And please, please, for the love of God, don't stand in the middle of the street. This intro is getting too long for the monster that is this episode. But anyways, 
let's get cruising at 80 miles per hour and go back in time a little bit. First thing I want us to do is take a time leap back for a moment. Here is 2012. Ah yes, a year to remember for sure. Those were the glory days of Vine compilations and cover videos, and oh boy how the algorithm pushed those America's Got Talent auditions. I have definitely spent too many hours watching a talking dog audition for a cash grab TV show. Oh, how far we've come since those simple, simple days. Anyways, the reason I want us to look back at 2012 is because I want us to compare some things. Just to put some things into perspective. Now, in comparison with headlines in 2012 to more recent years, how many of those do you think in 2012 were trans-related? Well, there's a lot of stats I found in an article by Mermaids, a known group that are the creators of the If I Had a Voice campaign. For those of you who don't know what this is, which was me when I came across them, this campaign was launched to send a plea to journalists, particularly in the UK, to stop writing about transgender children in such an abhorrent way, which we will talk about more later. This article, which I am really interested in, by the way, and will link down below for those of you stat grabbers, it really lists some interesting findings. Quote, The British press has increased its coverage of stories about trans people over the last six years, writing roughly three and a half times as many articles in 2018 to 2019 compared to 2012. Mentions of transgender children are 23 times as common in 2018 to 2019 compared to 2012. There were no references to the transgender lobby in 2012. In contrast, 2018 to 19 saw 151 mentions of this term, with over 90% of such cases writing about it in a negative way. Example, as silencing debate, peddling politically correct fallacies, being deranged or aggressively militant, end quote. There is one stat in particular that I want to highlight for you guys that really frames what I'm about to talk about really well. Quote, transgender people generally are increasingly written about in negative ways. They are described as being a They are described as having a propensity to be offended or be involved in conflicts or trouble in 586 cases in 2018 to 2019, compared to only eight times in 2012. They are described in the context of being demanding or aggressive 334 times in 2018 to 2019, compared to only five times in 2012. And they are described in the context of crime, either as criminals or victims of crime, 608 times in 2018 to 2019, as opposed to only three times in 2012, end quote. Now I just threw a load of information at you, 
So of course, I'm going to have to spend some time and analyze it so I can explain to you why this is so significant. If you're already into trans politics, you can probably tell where this is going. But for the rest of us not in the know, so to speak, let me explain. So this information from this particular time period shows a quickly growing trend of transgender people being talked about, but specifically being talked about negatively in journalism. I think there's one obvious reason that we all think of, which is that we are being talked about and we ourselves are talking so much more than we had previously, which makes our cis counterparts naturally notice us more and so on. But I think there's another less obvious reason here that requires us to dig a little deeper. Why we are being talked about in such a negative light is deeper, more detailed, and requires a lot more discussion than I would like to have today. Of course, that does mean I'm doing it later, but I think we've talked enough about this that I can continue in talking about the politicalization of trans people. Now, in terms of politicalization, I think a definition of what I mean by that is necessary. Politicalization, in my own words, is simply taking a thing and describing it to a particular political ideology, regardless of its actual affiliation or its accuracy. Basically, if I said to you that red is a far-left color, and I baked it into everyone's minds through media, like advertisements and articles, hint hint, I would be politicizing the color red. Even though red has nothing to do with politics, it's just a color, and the color you like shouldn't have anything to do with your political view, another hint hint. By framing the color red in that sort of light makes it political. Based on that analogy, what I'm saying here is that trans people have been politicized all over the political spectrum. There are a lot of reasons why I think this is, and there are a lot of reasons that other people also agree with this statement. But in order to explain how this happened and why it's harmful, we have to jump again to another more memorable era for trans people specifically. The first notable boom of politicizing transness I can think of was 2015 to 2016. This was a wacky couple of years, let me tell you. If you don't remember the type of shit on the internet at this time, this was peak anti-SJW YouTube. This was the era of, oh my god, she's so triggered, and all the hashtag controversial internet opinion videos. SJW, for those of you who don't know, is a short form for social justice warrior. Basically, the stereotypes associated with the title SJW are young, usually femme pers persons, who call attention to particular issues associated with social justice or human rights. In the trans mask world in particular, but also the trans world in general, this was also the Calvin Guerra glory days. These were the years of online bullying and harassment, mainly surrounding trans people, as well as gender non-conforming people in general. This was the period where SJWs and trans people were put into the same box, 
because the SJWs were usually branded SJWs because of their associations with trans people. SJWs, or social justice warriors, were branded as a fraction off of the online left because of their social justice sway, which by association took trans people with them. This is probably the first time notably that trans people were subscribed to a specific political belief as a whole group to such an impactful scale. This is why characters like Blair White and Calvin Guerra became popular, because they went against the ascribed norm that trans people are left-leaning. This was their shock value aspect. This was their shtick, actually. Every video of theirs had at least one not all trans people are statement, and both still grift like this to this day. Well, maybe not grift, but they still identify with the good trans identity that everyone's ascribed them to. The ideas expressed in popular media soon leaked into the general world stage. That's when you see more mainstream articles talking about trans people as left-leaning specifically, or at least having a biased idea of them in that direction. This is a large reason that many trans people went down the transmedicalist pipeline, which I've talked about in other episodes that I might link down below. It depends. You'll probably find them anyway. But anyways, many felt misrepresented as far-left and or as a tool for far-left indoctrination by the common media, that they went the other way. But that's further down the rabbit hole of 2015 to 2016 era that I am willing to go down today, aka probably in another episode. But this is still a very notable shift in the perception of trans people. These perceptions fed by the media, whether that was YouTube roasting videos making fun of crazy trans people or articles talking about a crazy trans person freaking out in the restroom, they all soon started to come off from just the internet to real-life situations. In this year, 2015 in particular, the statistics are very telling. Quote, According to the 2015 U.S. Transgender Survey, nearly half, 46% of respondents, were verbally harassed in the past year because of being transgender. Nearly 1 in 10, 9% of respondents, were physically attacked in the past year because of being transgender. Nearly half, 47% of respondents, were sexually assaulted at some point in their lifetime, and 1 in 10, 10%, were sexually assaulted in the past year. In communities of color, these numbers are higher. 53% of black respondents were sexually assaulted in their lifetime, and 13% were sexually assaulted in the last year." End quote. We all know that the internet affects real-life interactions and perceptions. But the increase in anti-trans violence around this time isn't usually connected to these online attitudes. I think, just through looking at how media affects the masses, that it is very likely that these rhetorics of the crazy trans really did make more people feel the need to harass and attack trans people, even in their everyday lives. It is not unreasonable to think such things. But with this transition from simply online affiliation, to in-person affiliation, an even larger threat to trans people emerged. We had always seen homophobic legislators. This wasn't new. We hadn't seen, however, the amount of legal policing of our rights as we saw over the 2019 to 2021 era in regards to trans people. 
the number of restricted legislations against trans people broke its record in 2021 with 82 different bills, which surpassed the whole of 2020's record number of 79. This legislation is in the US alone, not even factoring in all the legislation in the UK or elsewhere. These bills usually were placeable into two categories, public restrictions, like bathroom restrictions, and then personal restrictions, like banning or restricting hormones and penalties for gender-variant expressions. This is no coincidence that these are the same issues that anti-trans online communities focus their messages around. It is certainly no coincidence that these are the same issues that articles talk about even today. I want to pull that statistic from earlier to back up what I'm saying and remind you of all of these things that have come up in the past little while because of this. Quote, mentions of transgender children are 23 times as common in 2018 to 2019 compared to 2012, end quote. Quote, transgender people are generally more written about in negative ways. They are described as having a propensity to be offended or be involved in conflicts or in trouble in 586 cases in 2018 to 2019 compared to only eight times in 2012. Quote, they are described in the context of being demanding or aggressive 334 times in 2018 to 2019 compared to five times in 2012. Another quote, and they are described in the context of crime, either as criminals or victims of crime, 608 times in 2018 to 2019, as opposed to three times in 2012, end quote. None of this is separate. The media and our portrayals directly impact our rights, our voices, and our lives. If you don't believe me at this point, and I don't really know how you couldn't, let me show you a more familiar example I think we've all heard of at least time warp to the 1980s of the U.S. This is the era of the AIDS epidemic. The disease is spreading at a rapid pace and killing millions of Americans. Many organizations were formed to help aid with this catastrophe. But even in these times where people were dying at such a rapid rate, what was the government's response? You can say what you want about the handling of the AIDS epidemic, and I have my own personal opinions about it. But it is clearly seen that the response, or what happened due to the government's response, was stigmatization. AIDS was characterized as a homosexual disease. It was even called GRID at one point which stands for gay-related immune deficiency. People who weren't queer, who got the disease, suffered in silence so that they wouldn't be thought to be gay. And gay people were indeed particularly affected by this disease. Some people were even screaming to let the disease kill all of the gays in America. These were real things that people used to say. There is a lot more here that I can't really honor in this episode for the sake of time, but I'll link some resources down below so you can learn more about this if you're not already aware. Information is easier to just Google search for now. 
but feel free to do that as well or check the links I will provide in the description. We've all heard stories about how horrible the AIDS epidemic was, particularly for the queer community. However, I honestly think it showed the harm that homophobia really was capable of causing. People were more willing to let a whole mass of people just die, including those that weren't even really a part of that group, just because they didn't like it. And honestly, that sort of thing is what I'm afraid of now. Now, I'm not saying that another one of these mass diseases is going to come the equivalent for trans people, and that we're all going to die or anything. But the anti-trans bills hit record highs in the past few years, and so did hate crimes against trans people, resulting in deaths. It is a clear trend that with the politicalization of us and the rubbing away of our humanity, atrocities against us are going to go largely unnoticed and they're going to increase. This is the risk that we run with this. This is why I think we need to acknowledge all of these changes and realize that these trends are so important to look at. It could very well lead to a large loss of lives of trans people, not just in America, but everywhere. Now, a lot of this video has been focused on the right-wing side of things. The articles about trans kids, crazy trans people, and all the anti-trans bills were associated with right-wing institutions and parties. But I challenge you to look at what some of the left-wing side of the political spectrum does to us too. Because we usually look at the right-wing side of things because they seem a lot more threatening. As I mentioned, we often give the left-wing side of things a pass because they're not actively trying to take our rights away. But even still, there are criticisms that should be made, and there are offenses that continue to be done by left-wing parties and persons. Without further ado, this is the issue with the left. The issue with the left is a lot more of an issue of tokenization. And for those of you who don't know what that is, Here's a Wikipedia definition. Quote, Tokenism is the practice of making only a be inclusive to members of minority groups, especially by recruiting people from underrepresented groups in order to give the appearance of racial or gender equality within a workplace or educational context. Tokenizing a group basically means that you pretend to care about them. You, you use them and you portray yourself as a good person for accepting or sometimes just tolerating them. We saw this with companies chiming in during the Black Lives Matter protests, and we see it at Pride, too. We see this same practice happening with left-leaning people in politics. When we live in a partisan political world, which... Though that statement is US-centered, everywhere else gets trapped in the same cycle. Anyways, we make politics like a soccer game. You're split into two categories based on your beliefs and values. If you're against trans rights, you're on the right. And naturally, the ones who are for trans rights are on the left. However, there's a flaw with this system. Shocker. Not everyone fits into either box. 
It's important to mention the purism of the right when talking about this, because diversity of ideas isn't very common in right-wing circles. Yes, people disagree, but if they do, they just don't interact. The left, however, is basically everyone who isn't them. They associate themselves from... They... They isolate themselves from everyone else with their pure ideas, and they don't really mingle, honestly, with those of other opinions. Obviously, I mean this generally, but I think you get the point. Because the left is built on being the inclusive opposite to the right's exclusion, it allows for people of a vast spectrum of ideas to mingle, which, though well-intentioned, doesn't go well in terms of human rights. It's one thing if a group of people are talking about the best way to tackle an economic recession, and there are many different options and opinions that we should all let have some stage room. That is democratic, and that helps us critically think about our opinions and helps us reach the best solution. Human rights shouldn't be like that. I'm not saying we don't have conversations, but when it's treated as a talking point, as it usually is, it puts so many at risk. This actively dehumanizes trans people, as well as other minorities that are also trapped in this sort of dance. Dehumanizing trans people and the issues we face makes statistics like I've been showing you this episode seem like the equivalent to oil prices. It's not helpful when we need to keep that sort of thing in the span of thinking of people's freedoms. There's a baseline thing that should be in place just regardless, even in the marketplace of ideas. Thinking someone doesn't deserve rights isn't a position. It's bigotry and should be treated as such. We need to stop this debate culture and treat these opinions like they are. We need to treat them like what they actually are, just ignorance and bigotry. We do not need to platform those sorts of opinions. We don't need to platform ignorance. That never, ever goes down well. The left seems to love having fiery debates with the right. Debate culture is indeed a thing that the left enjoys. They love to go down on right-wing doughheads. Wait, no. Not go down on, oh my god. <laughs> That's funny. They love to go to town on right-wing doughheads and just spend an hour debunking them on their stupid ideas of what the economy is. Human rights just should not be involved in this sort of culture. But human rights do come up a lot, and us trans people are in the top five groups to talk about. We're people, and our lives are not political lottery tickets you can just buy in hopes that you'll win votes. Especially when, after the fact, you just throw it away in the trash. This is the threat that is posed by all of this stuff. This is why we need to depoliticize trans people and start treating us like people. Now, I'm not going to go into the left in particular detail in this episode, because I feel like I wouldn't be doing it justice. This video's tone is already set in the tone of dealing with right-wing transphobia, but I think 
it just it needs more if we're going to say that we really looked at both of these groups with an equally harsh lens. But anyways, I think I've said enough about the left-wing sort of things that this episode makes sense. If you want a separate video about the tokenization of trans people in left-wing spaces, that can totally be its own episode. It is such a vast plane to talk about. But anyways, yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know why the left-wing sort of thing is cut short in this episode. But regardless, let's just move. So now that I've said all of my words that I'm going to say this episode, I want to open up conversation. I don't know what the answer or solution to all of this is. Maybe we just need to speak up about it all. I don't know. As of right now, awareness is all I can give. And I've hopefully done that in this episode. I managed to avoid the whole series thing to a certain degree, and I hope you enjoyed this longer episode. It was quite a lot <laughs> in um, for me to do in one episode, so I'm kind of proud, I guess, in some ways, but also in other ways I'm just dead after writing all this. I hope you've enjoyed this video essay or whatever you want to call it. I've had some really big bumps along the way with this one, but I'm glad that it is pretty much done and set up. I have some announcements and details about me coming up, if you're interested, so stay till the end for those. Anyways, thank you all so much for listening. This was a big episode in the making, and I hope I equipped you guys with some knowledge of how political parties will try and sway you one way or another because of your transness. Thanks for sticking through this long-ass episode with me, and I hope I'll see you here again. Keep fighting, you beautiful people. All the love. Peace. Anyways, my fellow human beings floating on this rock in infinite space, I've kept you all long enough. I hope you have a lovely rest of your day, or a lovely rest just in general if you're listening late. Take care of yourselves, you're all lovely, and I hope to see you next time on The Trans Agenda. Keep fighting, you beautiful people. All the love, peace out. Also, content-wise, I am thinking of doing some more interviews! This could be one of you folk, potentially, but to start, I think I'd like to interview one of my parents about my being trans, and how they experienced and experience my transition with me. I really like the whole interview thing, but it got associated with a format of podcast I didn't really like, so I don't know, I kind of have to figure out how that works. But still, the interview aspect of things I think is really cool. I'd love to hear some of your opinions and be able to incorporate it into my own work. If you wish to be interviewed on the podcast, please DM me at the underscore trans agenda on Instagram. While you're there, please give me a follow so you don't miss any new content. 
However, I think interviewing my parents would be really informative and maybe it could be used to educate some of your own parents. I'll post a questionnaire in the episode comments or whatever that thing is below. I don't really know what to call this stuff because this isn't YouTube, so I, I haven't really grown up with the terminology. But anyways, I'll post a questionnaire with this episode to see who's all in favor. But yeah, that's just an idea I have that I wanted to share and get some input from you guys through. Anyways, my fellow human beings floating on this rock in infinite space, I've kept you all long enough. I hope you have a lovely rest of your day, or a lovely rest if you're listening late. Take care of yourselves. You're all lovely, and I hope to see you next time on the Trans Agenda Podcast. Keep fighting, you beautiful people. All the love, and peace out.